This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper. And uh, Pipe, interesting things to talk about in the world of sports, uh, interesting things that we've been talking about in the world of uh, just the Happy Rant corporate empire as we, uh, as we you know, look down the road and think about uh, grafting someone else in to, uh, to our team. Um, it can't help but make me think of, of team dynamics, and we're going to talk about a lot of those things today. We're going to talk about coaching. Uh, we're going to talk about some NFL coaching situations that are interesting and uh, Pipe, I want to start, though, with something near and dear to you, something that was a little bit of a surprise to me as a peripheral NBA fan. Uh, but it was Jimmy Butler showing up yesterday to Timberwolves practice and berating his his coach and GM and teammates. And I was surprised because I didn't know that Jimmy Butler had such NBA idiot potential in him. He was kind of like a sneaky NBA idiot in that like two or three years ago, he seemed like uh, an NBA golden boy, a model citizen. So uh, as a Timberwolves fan and as a fan of all things NBA idiots, like where do you place this? How is this registering with you? Uh, it's it's not completely registering yet. So for, for listeners who are not totally aware of the situation, Jimmy Butler, Timberwolves traded for Jimmy Butler before last season, which at the time seemed like a fantastic move, taking a young team, adding a superstar, putting them into the playoff picture. When he was healthy, they were competing for the third seed in the West. He got injured. They still made the playoffs. So, I mean, it was a big step forward as a team. Then this offseason, everything is blown up, and he hates the coach, and he hates all the young players. Apparently, they all <laughs> hate him, too. Um, therein lies Ted's comment about him being a profound NBA idiot. What's So there's a couple things that are just – baffling about this the first is when you think back about three to five years jimmy butler was a young guy coming out of marquette university late first round pick so athletic upside he was a defense guy with a bad offensive game amazing backstory had been homeless in the houston area as a high schooler and you know just basically a self-made man and then a yeah. self-made superstar, like just a, a prolific worker who has progressively turned himself into a top, I don't know, 10 or 15 player in the league. And and everybody seemed to respect him. You know, he just had this work ethic and, and he was a grinder. But now he's burned through two or three coaches. So I think it was he burned through Tibbs when he was with the Bulls. Then he burned through Fred Hoiberg. Now he's burned yep. through Tibbs with the with the Timberwolves, and apparently nobody likes him. Yeah. So, but none of this really came to light until the last like three months. I mean, not not in yeah. not in its sort of fully exposed, fully graduated like oh he's an a hole kind of way. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So Dude, and then, this could have been the best kept secret in the NBA. It's fascinating to me in that, like, you know, typically these things come to light, you know, way before, you know, way, way before this. I, I feel like it's similar a little bit, Pipe, and you can speak to this, to, like, Kyrie Irving's coming out as an NBA idiot. I, I feel like that was gradual in a similar way, in that for a while people felt really good about Kyrie Irving, and then, uh, like, a, like, a year or two ago, it was like, oh, wait, this guy's, this guy's a total idiot, um, w- would you say there's similarities between those two cases? 
Uh, similarities, yeah, but like different brands. First of all, I yeah. think I think so. Kyrie is he's enigmatic, but I don't think he. I think the only person who doesn't like him is LeBron. But LeBron, yeah. LeBron is kind of in a class all his own in terms of being an, an, an enigmatic human. And and so he, yeah. you know, he did the whole flat Earth thing and a bunch of weird stuff. But like you, you don't hear a lot of people who are like, I hate playing with Kyrie Irving. It was yeah, awful being on the team with Jimmy Butler. It's like, no, we don't want him around. We we don't like yeah. him. Yeah, you know he's 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 mean. <laughs> he's just a mean mm-hmm. human, apparently. Who interesting? His, his attitude apparently is nobody on this team wants to win as much as me. Nobody works as hard as me, and so I hate everybody. Which yeah. is kind of the antithesis of leadership. Which is yeah. nobody wants to win as much as me. Nobody works as hard as me. So I will help you get there. Um, exactly. And and so Carl Anthony Towns hates him. I don't think Andrew Wiggins hates anybody because I don't think Andrew Wiggins has feelings. He's just sort of a <laughs> flatliner. But uh-huh. but he doesn't like either of them. So apparently, what happened yesterday is you know it's preseason practices. It's the last week before the season. Butler's been away from the team the whole preseason. He shows up to practice uh, to the team yesterday. Shows up late scrimmages with the team apparently he takes all the third stringers and just lays wood to the starters just beats the bejesus out of them um (laughs) while screaming curses at them about how they need him they can't win without him at one point he turns around and screams at scott Layden, who's the general manager you know Uh you need me you can't effing win without me this is this is according to Uh sources on the ground uh, yeah, and yeah. then he leaves practice early and goes and does an interview with Rachel Nichols for ESPN. So it's Dude, what a great scenario. That's healthy. That's just a healthy corporate culture right there. I know. I mean, I just it, everything about this. I, I think it, it's it's so good for the young players. Uh, it oh, clearly, for sure. It just airbrushes, yeah. polishes his image. Um, Dude, it shows it, him how to be a pro. You it know? shows this is what that, being a pro looks exactly. like. Exactly, and it shows that Tom Thibodeau has a real good handle on the organization. Has really fostered a culture of healthy competitiveness and team oh, unity. Absolutely. Um, I will also say this: when I heard that he played with the third stringers and beat the starters, I was like, "Yeah, but Tibbs doesn't know who his good players are." So, like, his third, fourth, and fifth best players are all third stringers. So that's Jimmy and a bunch of starters playing against. Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, and a bunch of crap old guys because Tibbs, Tibbs doesn't know how to set up a roster. Um, <laughs> it, but interesting. It, it is the weirdest. It's the weirdest. I don't know how to how else to put it. Like I don't I don't even know Dude, who to hate. Is. I don't even know who to hate right now. I'm just exactly. sort of like it's, I don't know. Just burn the thing. Just burn the whole thing down. Absolutely. It's a it's a great weird NBA idiot story, man. The likes of which we really needed, I think, going into the season. So Piper, let me lay a hypothetical on you. Um, there are things happening right now in the Happy Rant uh, corporate universe in which someone from our past uh, may be coming back into the picture, trying to graft himself uh, back into this team. So let's sort, let's of, say yeah, that sort of sort of working an angle, sort of working an angle. Yeah. So if if the Happy Rant was an NBA team, and to be clear, just by way of a footnote, uh, I I wish we were. I would like Happy Rant jerseys. So from time to time, I play intramural basketball on campus. And uh, I would I would really like to roll into one of these games with like a happy rant uh, NBA style jersey. So if we have any designers, if we have anyone out there in the but garment not industry, the kind with sleeves, those look stupid. No, gosh, no, those are the worst. Yeah, those are the like a real NBA jersey uh, with a happy rant logo and color scheme incorporated. I would uh, I would wear that with pride uh, to my intramural games. So number forty three, uh, that is the Cluck family number right now. Uh, 
and I would I would rock that. But if we were an NBA franchise, Piper, and uh, and this this name from the past uh, were to kind of finagle his way back into our lives by like you know coming to stay with one of us for four or five days, scrimmaging with the team, as it were. Um, what figure would he be in this scenario? Would he be the Jimmy Butler or uh, would would one of us be the Jimmy Butler? Who's who's the Andrew Wiggins? Who's the Carl Anthony Towns in this in this happy rant scenario? It's really hard to make a comparison because unlike the Minnesota Timberwolves, we currently have a, a pretty effective, healthy corporate culture. With we do, you know, yeah, we have a healthy clubhouse right it's, now. It's it's a know? flat structure where one person does not feel slighted or more important than the others. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron, I think occasionally feels left out because he he doesn't do the sports podcasts, but at the same time, he doesn't really want to anyway. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's it still yeah. works. You know, it's the occasional right. tension. Um, he's the Ron is probably the most enigmatic person on our podcast because you never know yeah. if you're going to get like Ashland Ron, which is sort of flat yeah. and and morose. Ashland Ron is Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, it's just Travel. sort of like he feels nothing yeah. about everything. Exactly. Ashland Ron, home run is Andrew Wiggins. Travel run is, gosh, who's maybe Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, I mean, high, yeah, just at his peak, at his peak yeah. he's just, he's a magnetic presence. He, you oh, know, yeah. occasionally doesn't totally show up, but usually that's yeah. the internet connection. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he literally doesn't show up. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, doesn't bring it on every subject, kind of like yeah. uh, Towns doesn't bring it on defense. Exactly. So, but but again, just but always considered to be a peak talent. So yeah, I think right. I think that's fair. So there's not really a situation where this this unnamed figure could charge in and immediately just take the reins over the rest of us because I think we would just be like, nah, man, you can you can go right on back out that gym door uh, yeah, if we were exactly. an actual basketball team. Unlike the Timberwolves, who apparently sat there and took it when Jimmy Butler decided to lose his mind. Oh my goodness, man! You can't have that. Like as a as a timber, if I was a Timberwolves fan, that would be the most disheartening aspect of the story to me. The way that they just like, you know, laid down and See, took it. I'm, took I it can from understand the, sky, the players but, uh, doing it because, like, there there is a scenario in which you just roll your yeah. eyes and you're like, you know what? You're gonna get traded anyway. Nobody needs like, what's yeah, the point? Exactly. What's the point of fighting exactly. with you? Nobody wins. But for the coach to sit there or the GM and not be like, no, you can get out of here and you're suspended. That yep. that's what I don't get. I mean it. it it just shows that there there is genuinely no leadership in the organization yeah. there, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. So yeah, I don't. It's really hard to imagine. I feel like we are more like the Spurs, yeah, and, and Kawhi Leonard. Oh, interesting. So we interesting. are the Spurs organization. We are the the Popovich led organization. And oh, what's the other guy's name? RC Buford. So Pop and RC mm-hmm. Buford. That and and so if Kawhi had tried this. This unnamed figure would be Kawhi trying to sort of control the organization. <laughs> They're like, you know what? No, you're you're yeah. going to Canada, and uh, yeah. we're going to take yeah. back some young players, and we're probably still going to win 53 games because we're the Spurs. Exactly, exactly. Enjoy Toronto. Enjoy the long winter. Yeah, I mean, you know? Toronto's a lovely city. I mean, it's it's genuinely an amazing city. It really is. It but really from is. a basketball perspective, uh, San Antonio's just a hair better than the Raptors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I almost feel like this unnamed figure pipe would be back to the back to the Timberwolf scenario. He would almost be like Tom Thibodeau. Like he would come in feeling like he has a lot more authority than he actually has. And it would just make things awkward. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, not um, ha- not but, having been effective in like two to three years at least. Not right. Not, yeah. You know, the, the game having has passed his best him years by. Be way, yeah. Yeah. His best years are way behind him. You know, more of a name at this point than a than an actual performer. Um, yeah. Kind of, the, kind the of first, a loud berating voice. The loud berating voice. The first few games would be just like disastrously awkward. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the Tibbs. Bit, in this of, scenario. bit of a bit of a one trick pony when it comes to how he does things. Yeah, you know, sort of, yeah. sort of a he has like a system, a shtick, if you will. Yeah, I yeah, think. I will. Uh, yeah, I I think Tibbs is a pretty solid comparison. Dude, that's fascinating. So back to the NBA. Um, I was about to say that uh, I'm not sure what my level of interest is in the NBA yet this season. So this is going to be kind of a an abbreviated NBA preview in which I lob a few questions uh, to you and and you can expound on them. But one of my one of my working theories, Piper, for the NBA is that. In another decade, we're going to see totally player-run teams. We're going to see teams without coaches. And um, yeah, you we, threw we, this out when we were talking about. I think it was like coaching culture and Steve Kerr and, and things like that on an episode or two ago. It's it's a it's a pretty fascinating theory. It is. I think it's an interesting theory. I'm not sure you buy it yet, and that's fine. I'm I'm not sure how viable it actually is, but kind of in the spirit of that theory, and in this in the spirit of 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 my. Uh, my hypothesis that NBA coaches just aren't that important. Um, I'm, I'm going to lob out the name of a random NBA team and see if you can name the coach of that team. Okay. Um, so this is a little test of your of your NBA knowledge. Oh, man, I can think and, of like five uh, teams right now that I don't know the coaches for off the top of my head. But all right, <laughs> dude, exactly, goes. exactly. And and I know the coaches of just very few of them, precious few. So uh, I'll lob a few of these out, and this this will give you an opportunity pipe to. Not only see if you know the name of the coach of that team, but also to um, vamp a little bit about that team and their their potential or lack thereof. All right. Uh, okay. First one, uh, Sacramento Kings. Who's the coach? Is it Dave Yeager? Or J O E R G E R something like that. Yeah, I realized I should probably like in my studio pull up the. Uh, pull, <laughs> oh, you, pull up oh, you don't teams. know the answer to this team. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I realized I, I needed for this segment to really work. I need to have the answers readily Pardon available. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it is. It's Dave Yorger, um, J O J O E R G E R. Dave Yorger. So, what do you know about Dave Yorger? Tell tell us about Dave. My recollection is that he used to coach the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, and he he was sort of one of those well respected uh hard nosed kind of the next gen coaches you know there there was yeah. sort of like post Phil Jackson post Rudy Tomjanovich that yeah. you know that era was on its way out um yeah. and I think he had just a major falling out with the front office in Memphis because they brought in a bunch of and, and so he 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 was coaching fine uh yeah. the team was doing fine it was kind of during the grit and grind era and then he ended up in Sacramento I I think if I, I, I could be completely making this up, but I think that's the case. Um, No, you got it, man. You got it right. And he has a, he has a rich, like, um, minor league basketball pedigree. So this guy's coached in the CBA, uh, the D league. Um, he had a lot of success with the Sioux Falls sky force. So, and I remember there was, um, there was a time when the Timberwolves were looking for a coach that he was one of the names that was considered. And in fact, I think he came in for an interview and people loved his CBA pedigree. Cause that was the same thing that flip Saunders had yeah, former, yeah. former coach of the Timberwolves who passed away a couple years ago. Um, yep. probably the only successful coach in Timberwolves history. Um, but so the Kings, the, the Kings are, 
I mean, they're they're like the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. They just interesting. They perpetually have high picks. They perpetually have guys who have potential who never meet it. And you know, ever since Rick Adelman left, so like the Vladi, Divac, Peja Stojakovic, Chris Weber, Doug Christie years, they've just mm-hmm. been abysmal. And yeah, they've been abysmal, and they've been like almost like a semi-pro team. You know what I mean? Just like a non-entity. Yeah, uh, and, never I mean, talked about, never thought about. They, they never have a roster that makes sense. Like this year, yeah. I think they have like nine guys who are power forwards and centers. They have two mediocre point guards, and they have nobody who can shoot. And yeah. that's sort of the opposite of how NBA teams have been proven to work. Um, exactly. It's so, like my fantasy team. You know, it's all like 235-pound right. tailbacks. It's all fullbacks. Um, exactly. So Jaeger is – I think he's a good coach in an awful situation. Um, and And, you know, ki- kind of like uh, – kind of like some of the guys who have gone through the Browns and have proven themselves to be decent coaches elsewhere. Um, So I, yeah, I think, I think they're going to be at the bottom of the West again. They're going to get another high pick. They're going to draft somebody who has a lot of upside and never develops. And they're just, they're just a crap franchise. Yeah, indeed. I'm going to lob another uh, franchise at you, Piper, and see if you know the name of this head coach, Uh, Toronto Raptors. (sighs) just heard this guy's name he was one of their assistant coaches last year Dude, he's got a great name uh, great name shoot i cannot remember off the top of my head he was he was an assistant coach for them last year uh and yeah. then when they when they let when they let their coach go they let Dwayne casey go they hired him remind me his name nick nurse that's right nick yeah. nurse yeah, and so- i'm trying to think of a clever like you know, scenario for Nick Nurse, like it, it, he sounds like the kind of guy who fill in the blank, but I can't come up with anything. I just know that I'm, I'm charmed by the name. Um, what can yeah. you tell us about Nick Nurse? I, and well, the Raptors? I feel like, I feel like when they, when they announce his name, did you ever watch the Animaniacs? It was probably, it was after you would have been, it was, yeah, it was that, cartoon it was, era, but right. It, it was in the dead cartoon window for so, me, like post being a kid and pre having yeah. kids. So there's a character named Wacko who, uh, had a thing for attractive nurses, and every time okay. you'd see one, he would say, "Hello, nurse." And I feel like that's <laughs> nice. how they should introduce Nick Nurse every single game. Oh, um, dude, absolutely! Yeah, when the lights go down and they do the NBA arena thing where they're introducing players, "Hello, nurse." Yeah. I, I really that would be a, a missed opportunity if they don't do that. Yeah, apparently he is a more forward-thinking coach. So Dwayne Casey was—I mean, he he led the Raptors to a whole bunch of playoff. Uh, runs they were the number one team in the east last year by record and then got the floor mopped with them by cleveland uh they could never get past lebron they so they they turned over their roster you know they got rid of demar and brought in Kawhi. they changed coaches they've got a a deep young bench um and he's supposed to be a guy who can who can essentially develop an offensive scheme that's just a little bit more modern and then also just sort of bring fresh blood in I think historically, you find that if there's a coach who's perpetually winning 50 to 60 games and you replace him, you almost inevitably go backwards, unless it's like Phil Jackson and the Lakers. You know, that just, you you don't get better by getting rid of a successful coach. It's the the (laughs) price you pay in a zero-sum game where it's championship or failure. Like, they're going to go backwards over the next couple years. It's almost, I think it's almost inevitable. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. That's a that's a good word. Piper, I'm going to lob an easy one at you now, and I'm lobbing this easy one at you because I have a I have a theory about this coach. Um, 
So the, the next team is the Miami Heat. Oh, that's uh, – uh, of course, I can picture his face. It's Eric something or yeah. other. Um, Dude, Eric Spolstra. Spolstra, Eric that's Spolstra. right. And of course, you can picture his face because he, he, here's my theory about Spolstra. Spolstra looks like the guy on your wing at Wheaton College. So, so the guy who lived on your wing in the dorm um, – Nobody really liked him that much because he was he was kind of you know he was he was decent looking affluent you know he has that that Grand Rapidsy last name, um, it, it, but he was the guy who like organized everything like intramurals wise like he ordered the T-shirts um, you know he put all the plans together and you kind of begrudgingly appreciated him for that um, and I think that's the role Eric Spolster plays with the Miami Heat. Uh, agree or disagree, Piper? I totally agree on your uh, your characterization of the name and the face. Also, yeah, if your name sure. is Eric Spolstra, you were probably a great three point shooter for Hope College. Um, yeah, he went to Hope College. He's got thick ankles. He was yeah. just shooting threes. You know, that's it. So here's here's why. Here's the one thing that doesn't work about the characterization is that he has a tan. No, he's. I mean, yeah. like, and people with the name Spolster shouldn't even be able to get a tan. You should. They're just. Yeah, they should, be, they they're should all, burn easily. Yeah, just they, they should, should all be peel. six four to six seven and super pasty. Um, yep. The other thing is he's actually a really good coach. I yeah, he yeah. he has. So the th- the most impressive th- he's done two incredibly impressive things in his career. The first is replace Pat Riley and earn the respect of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Yeah, that, that's true. As as like a thirty six year old coach or something like that. The second is build a playoff team. Granted, it's the Eastern Conference, so it's in the Junior Varsity Conference, but build a consistent, com, you know, playoff competitive team out of just scraps. Post those guys, um, yeah. and and they have you know they haven't had a super high draft picks other than like Justice Winslow. They haven't signed any major free agents. Although maybe they'll trade for Jimmy Butler. Please, Spo, trade for Jimmy Butler. Do us all a favor. Exactly. Maybe you can exactly. earn his respect too. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's. I think he's a really good coach. And if he, you know, I mean, if he was coaching the Timberwolves, I think they would be dramatically better, and uh, and people wouldn't be griping about lack of leadership and lack of effort and things like that. Exactly, Piper. One last one. I want to drop one more on you. See if you can uh, call up the name of this coach. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Is it Kenny Atkinson? It's Kenny. Yes, it's Kenny Atkinson. And my question to you is, if you're Kenny Atkinson, um, at what point do you start going by Ken? And if you go by Ken Atkinson, does that change your persona as an NBA head coach? Yeah, you can't be in the NBA and, and be named Ken. And, like, even, so even, <laughs> there's, there's a referee named Kenny Maurer who's like 89 yeah. years old. And... Uh-huh. He's Kenny. Like he's not Kenny. Still goes Mauer. by Kenny. We still yeah. describe him as boyish. You know. I mean Kenny Anderson, like Kenny Kenny Smith, like all of all of the Kens in the NBA are not Kenneth. Yeah. Except yeah. for Kenneth Fareed, but he stinks. Yeah. Maybe if he was Kenny Fareed, he'd be good. Maybe that's his problem. Yeah. Um so no, you stay with Kenny as long as you work in the NBA. Um, I think even if you you know you get like a general manager job someday, you're still Kenny because you yeah. because then you're you're calling back on your playing coaching days. Absolutely, it does beg the question though. These these other coaches in the NBA, like Fred Hoiberg, um, Tom Thibodeau, why, why do they like these mid century name guys? Why why isn't it Tommy Thibodeau or, or Freddie Hoiberg? You know, 
Um, I, I wonder why these guys have gone with like the more the more kind of buttoned up professional versions of their I, names. Well, Fred Hoiberg is. I mean, he played at Iowa State, or no? I think he played at Iowa State. Then he coached at Iowa State, and he was sort of yeah. known as the uh, the mayor of the mayor Freddie Hoiberg. So That's like, right. but 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 Fred Hoiberg is a mayor name, like. Yeah, you're, you're you, so I, right. I can see that sign in a front yard, you know, vote Fred. Um, yeah. That Freddie Hoiberg, you know, that guy's not a mayor. Um, no. So, Freddie Hoiberg's the fun guy, like down at the bar, you know, used to be the star of your high school's team. But he's not mayor potential. He doesn't He doesn't have mayor written all over and, him, and like I don't, Fred Hoiberg. I don't think Tommy works unless you're a player. Like I think I think Tommy Tommy is an athlete name, not yeah. a coach name. I don't think you can be a coach named Tommy and have any respect. They're not – Kenny, you can, not Tommy. Also, Tommy really only works if you have like a monosyllabic last name. So like Tommy Smith or Tommy Jones or, or whatever, Tommy John, um, you know, those all work. But Tommy Thibodeau is just like, you know, it takes a half hour to say that name. Tommy Thibodeau much. sounds like he plays in Kenny G's band. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's like a, a, a washed up like New Orleans jazz musician, you know. Um, he's, you, he's yeah, like, he used to have a cool nickname, but now he's just Tommy Thibodeau. Yeah, oh, Tommy Thibodeau. You know, he's like the replacement drummer. You know, for your for your jazz trio in New Orleans. Um, that's so not good. I I have I have a a thought about your coaching theory. Um, yeah, later th- on. Thinking about these coaches that you've thrown out there, thinking about the direction. So you said that in the next few years, we're, there's going to be just sort of totally player led teams, and yep. you're right. I don't totally buy it, but I do partially buy it. Okay, I think that the NBA is going to go the same route as like Hollywood. In fact, it oh, already is. How so? Where, well, Hollywood is all driven by A-listers. Some sure. of them are performers, actors, and actresses. Some of them are directors or producers. Okay. So, like, if if Ron Howard is involved in your film, he's he's sort of the A-lister. He's, he's the like, A-lister. He's if it's like a Ron the, Howard film, yeah, it's yeah. getting made. It's going to get a big theatrical release. You know, big deal. Terrence yeah. Malick, Michael Bay. Granted, Michael Bay makes – Michael Bay is, is sort of like the James Dolan of movies. Like he's a big uh-huh. name in the industry and he sucks at his job. Um, Dude, Michael Bay is like the, the Amari Stoudemire. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's going to come in. He's got a big name. He's going to score a lot of points. But, but yeah, at the end of the day, like your movie's not going to be any better. You know, your team's not going to be any better. It's interesting. So, but then there's also like there's like Leonardo DiCaprio. Like that's the LeBron. You know, if it's a Leo film. Now, occasionally, it's a Leo film, and occasionally there becomes like collaborations between, you know, top directors or producers and top performers, and that's where you get you know the best films. And I think the same is true in basketball. Where so so coaches are not going to become irrelevant. Some coaches are going to become irrelevant. Yeah, and so it's. I I think a Hollywood understanding of the NBA makes more sense than like an authority structure. Yeah, um, it's just sort of who who holds the influence in that organization. So yeah. that and that's why the Timberwolves are a hot mess because the answer is nobody. There's a yeah. terrible owner, which is akin to a, a terrible studio. There's sure. a dumb yep. coach. That's a that's that's a bad director. Yep. There's potential talent, but they haven't really proven themselves in anything. So that's like that's like people who have been in like young adult fiction movies or something like that. Yeah. And exactly. then there's a star who thinks he's a star, and that's basically Russell Crowe. So yeah. you know, maybe yeah. has had his Dude, moments. Jimmy Butler is the Russell Crowe of, of of the Timberwolves right now. It's fascinating. Right. And so some people think 
maybe he's more like Mel Gibson where he had his day and now everybody's like, I don't know if I want to work with that guy. He's insane. Yeah, that and, guy's the worst to work with. So, yeah. so yeah, and, and, and I think like – and then what you end up with is like a movie that costs a ton of money. It's gonna is gonna be like mediocre <laughs> in the box office and just critically panned because it's just a dog of a movie. That's the Timberwolves exactly. this year, dude. You're so right, man. You're so right. Yeah, I think we could run like every other NBA team through that Hollywood grid as well. And who's, I, I who think is you're the, right. Who is the art house your, your film of the NBA? Way. Oh, interesting. So like, yeah, the, who is the so, art so there's the you know there's there's like maybe one up and so maybe one star who's decided to do something creative for once like they're just like you know what i loved the script i loved the ethos yeah, of that yeah, yeah. film i love totally what they're doing do i love what they're trying to do um yeah kind of an under the radar place dude could it be could it could it be milwaukee with uh with with Giannis, with the greek freak i that's mm that's a good one. I think Dude, it's kind of an indie town. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's kind of like making the movie Fargo. Yes. Where yeah. people are like, "Oh, Fargo, what a weird setting for a movie." Well, and they, and and they, have an, un, they have an underrated coach because they have Mike Budenholzer who was in Atlanta yeah. when they went on their lengthy playoff run. So he's he's not a peak name, but like he's had a lot of success. Right. And and they're going to be way better than last year, or at least more entertaining than last year. I think that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else would fit the bill. I think Denver potentially. Yeah. Because yeah. they they although Denver's more like the the ensemble cast of young people who haven't made it as stars yet. Yeah. So Denver's like the They would be like what's, they're like they're the like analog? they're like freaks and geeks. So yeah. where all of these people became stars out of it, but it didn't have an amazing run. But you yeah. look back and yeah. you're like, wow, that's a that's yeah. a lot of name talent in that, that show. That was a powerhouse cast, as it turns out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Interesting. Dude, what are the Lakers in a movie scenario? What kind of movie are the L.A. Lakers? They're the one that Leo stars in that people go, oh, that's an Oscar contender. Even when you look yeah. at it, you're like – they're sort of like the Wolf it's of not Wall a Street great movie. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so Wolf, the Wolf of Wall Street. Which exactly. Is, which, which raised a lot of eyebrows, you know, was yeah. sort of critically acclaimed but was sort of like, ah, I don't know. It was sort of critically acclaimed but then you could look at it and you could go – this could have been like a garbage, like kind of nudity schlock '80s movie too. If you watch it in a actually, certain way, that, and if it that, doesn't have that's Leo, what it was actually. Yeah, um, that's what it was. You know, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, like if, if yeah, if you had plugged in like I don't know Chris Pratt instead of Leonardo DiCaprio, all of a sudden it becomes <laughs> it yeah, it becomes that it becomes exactly what you just described. Actually, I it's think a movie the, from 1988 that has a bunch of boobs in it that yeah. like our parents didn't let us watch. I yeah. think the Lakers are the Revenant. Okay, I I can yeah explain that, but I, I can see it. So I can see it. it's big budget, big star. Yep. Really weird supporting cast. Yep. Who who's not going to get any play at all? Nobody remembers who's like nobody's going to remember anything except the star. Uh, yep. Even if they have good seasons, even if they have some potential. So like, yep. The Revenant had a few other people in it who had good performances. Dare I say better performances than Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, and and nobody remembers who they are. Uh, that's going to be like Brandon Ingram, hopefully yeah. Lonzo Ball. Um, yep. They have a really weird makeup. They're not going to be – they're just not going to be that good. Right. Although they're the Lakers with LeBron. In the same so way that The Revenant wasn't that good. Yeah, exactly. But, so everybody's going to say that it's good and convince yes. themselves that it's good. 
and it's just it's just going to be eh. Dude, so, you're so right. That the Revenant was that year's everybody's required to talk about how good it is movie, but yet it's a movie that absolutely no one wants to watch again. Like no one's rewatching The Revenant. Right. Anywhere. And and the uh, the the Warriors are the the Marvel universe. Yep. Because yeah, they so they're, they're all the stars. They're all you can bank them for success. Yep. They're going to but be yet enjoyable. everybody's bored with it at this point. Right. But so they're they're going to be equal parts like always enjoyable but kind of boring because they're always enjoyable. Like you just you know yeah. that it's going to be that. So they they're the Marvel universe almost certainly. Um yeah. The Celtics are the let's see. They're, I think they're probably the most interesting team to tr- both in the NBA this year as well as trying to trying to compare to Hollywood because they have stars, they have young talent, they have a coach who whose reputation might have outpaced his actual success. Although he's a really You're right, good their coach. coach, is a young star. You know, he's, um, so so he may be. Who's the young director who is maybe not as good as everybody thinks? I, I have one. I have one, one in mind. But who do you think it is? I'm tough. I have a hard time remembering directors. I think he might be that good. He just has – like his reputation has gotten there before his success has gotten there. So yeah, it's, it's just no, hard I, to tell. Who's, which director were you thinking of? Dude, this, this one's going to be controversial, but Ryan Coogler. Like I think he's a huh. really, really good director. I really do, but I don't think he's like – Apex, Apex Mountain. I don't, I don't think he's amazing. Like I didn't think – uh, like I thought Black Panther could have been better. Um, I thought Creed was a really good movie, um, but it was it was it was kind of hard to screw that up. You know what I mean? Um, I, I I like Ryan Coogler. Don't get me wrong, and I like Brad Stevens. I like him a lot, but he just needs like he needs the signature moment. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, he needs to take the next step. He needs to have the huge the huge success. Yeah, and, I, I uh, think I think Coogler's a really good comparison for Stevens because again, there yeah. has been success and there has been some measurably fantastic films. Yeah, um, for sure, but not the best, dude. So like like Fruitvale Station was kind of the. Uh, would you say that's the like the Butler arc of Brad Stevens' career, or maybe even the Utah Jazz arc? Where it's like nobody expected much, but it was a super great like surprise thing. Well, he went from Butler to Boston. Wait, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He wasn't with the Jazz. No, you're uh, Quinn Snyder's was, with the Jazz. I was conflating him with another. Like, you know what? You the, know, ja- the Jazz are in that art house film. The Jazz are an art house because film. the Jazz are perpetually an art house film because they're people are like they could be the second best team in the West. Yeah. Uh, they have no stars, although Donovan yep. Mitchell is close. And a yep. bunch of just sort of like weird offbeat players. They play in a weird offbeat city. Like Salt Lake City should not have an NBA team, except they do. You and know, they it draw have fans. Anything. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and exactly. I, mean, I say they shouldn't by sort of demographics. Anybody yeah, yeah. who listens from Utah, all of our Mormon listeners, uh, that's, that's nothing right. against you. You're actually a fantastic fan base. Also, check out Noah's Events Venue. <laughs> that's right, based out of which Utah. we're pretty sure is a Mormon company at this point. Although one listener did re- let me know that uh, Mormons meet on Sundays, and so we can be confident that those are not like Mormon temples that they're renting out because of the, otherwise there would be a conflict. So that's, that's good. You, good. Dude, you got well actually by a Mormon. That's a first <laughs> for the program. Well, I, I, like, I like fact-checking listeners because we don't do any of that ourselves. Exactly. Dude, I think, I think Quinn Snyder is the Wes Anderson of the NBA. Oh, that makes me uh, dislike him so much. I dude, right. Like he's Wes always, he's been, but he's always making an art house picture. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't know what to do with, 
Like, that's why Wes Anderson will never get hired to direct like the next Marvel Universe movie. You know, it, yeah. nobody will ever make that happen. And um, it, it's kind of how you can't imagine uh, Quinn Snyder coaching a team full of like yeah. legitimate superstars. Like you're never going to see it. It's always an art house film. Yeah, I think I think the Knicks are the DC Comics. Uh, you know, where they're, like, funny. where they're like, where they're like, we used to be awesome and now we suck, but we still have a big name and we make terrible products. So, dude, uh, right? Like we've got this huge brand, but you don't actually want to watch it. Yeah, but but we're terrible. We're just even yep. we have some characters that could be good, but we've completely botched them. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. So, I think the. Uh, I think the Dallas Mavericks are this are Steven Spielberg movies. Oh, interesting. Because Rick yeah. Carlisle, aka Jim Carrey, if you look closely, uh, <laughs> is a formerly top coach who still has yeah. the reputation as like he's a genius, but he's really yeah. just a crusty old dude who hasn't coached a good team in like five years. Yeah, kind of like yep. Spielberg hasn't put out a good movie since a long time ago. I don't remember. It's been a while. Yep. Yep. I don't know, like Saving Private Ryan or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Who is the Christopher Nolan of the NBA? Oh, that's fascinating. The Christopher Nolan of the NBA. Like, so. And I realize yeah, you have big, a differing opinion of Christopher Nolan than much of the public does. I don't like Christopher Nolan. Exactly. I don't like his movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know him as a person. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. And I'm sure I would love him, but I don't like his movies. So Christopher Nolan of the NBA. I think I think I have an answer for you. Yeah, lay it on me, man, while I, I'm thinking. And, and in fact, the sentence that you just just gave sums it up well. And okay. it's the Houston Rockets. Yep, you're so right. You're so, so right, man. So in, certain, in, the, in the same way that Christopher Nolan is like this, like certain people love the Rockets. Certain people are just convinced that the Rockets, like this is their year. They're going to do it. Well, you and, know, they got and some- like basketball nerds are like, man, they, they've they've solved the basketball code. The way they play, yeah. you know, it's all like layups and dunks and three pointers and efficiency. Yep. And so they, there's like there's a there's a nerd aspect to the fan. There's a real nerd aspect of it. The same way that like nerds tend to really ride with with uh, Christopher Nolan pictures. Yeah, for sure. Any any other Hollywood people were just grossly overlooking or Gosh, NBA teams man, for that know. matter. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is this has been fun though. This has been like by far the most interesting way to do an NBA preview for sure. Good thing but we did Piper, all the show. Are- good thing we did all the show prep for it. Okay, one one oh. more name. One more name we have to solve. Uh yeah, yeah. because he's polarizing and you love him and I don't, and that is okay. Russell Westbrook. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who is Russell Westbrook in Hollywood? Um kind of a loose cannon, always takes over whatever picture he's in. Always makes it about um, him. Polarizing. I have always I, makes it about. I have him. a suggestion, but I want to hear yours first. If you come up with one, yeah, okay, dude. So my my suggestion, and, and it's because people don't always like working with him, but he's definitely like a bona fide star. Christian Bale, like, yeah. he makes he makes pretty amazing pictures, um, but it's but it's truly always about him. Like you never watch a Christian Bale. There's never a movie that he's in. It's always like a Christian Bale movie. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think he's the Russell Westbrook of Hollywood. Uh, although I could be wrong. I, I feel like there's a better one out there, and I'm just not thinking of it. See, I uh, think lowly enough of, of Russell Westbrook that that, that that felt a little gracious because Christian Bale uh, has made spectacular films. Dude, he has, but they're not always the kind of spectacular films that everybody notices. Like, for example, I think – 
I think 310 to Yuma is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yes, in my life. it is. And it, so and, it, and it has two of the, the least likable actors in it. Dude, exactly. Yeah, but it's just incredible. Like this legitimately great movie that I would put up against almost any other movie. But it's not a movie that like is on the tip of everybody's tongue when they talk about Christian Bale. I mean, when they talk, when they talk about Christian Bale, it's always I mean, it's always Batman. It's always Christopher Nolan or it's always The Prestige, which is a movie that like nerds really like but i was just kind of meh about like the prestige isn't my it's not my favorite movie by a long shot the prestige Uh, is sort of like a low-grade usual suspects yeah it's like a less good usual suspects exactly um yeah the the prestige is sort of who would the prestige be in the nba um oh gosh we already used the knicks i was about to Maybe go there. No, but. it's got to be a better like it, it's got to be a better team than that. But a team that's always sort of like they're sort of a darling to some teams, but generally a letdown. Yeah, dude. Maybe the Grizzlies. Maybe the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, or the the Clippers. There's a little bit of prestige. I, you know, I think it. I okay. think it would be like yeah. the the Blake and DeAndre era Clippers. The Blake and DeAndre era Clippers. A lot of high expectations. Some um, some legitimate amazing moments. Some legitimate amazing moments, absolutely. Some some signature performances, some really really great performances. Um, okay, who's your Russell Westbrook though, or who's your uh, yeah your Russell Westbrook of Hollywood? He's Tom Cruise. Ooh, dude, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now that you now that you mention it. He's Tom Cruise because there's the like there's it's it's big budget. There's literally never anybody else in a Tom Cruise movie. Like yeah, it's, you're right. it's it's Tom so Cruise right. and lackeys. He eats up so much of the budget. There's no and, room for anyone else. I mean, yeah. even like Christian Bale, like you, he he acts alongside. Dude, you're right. Some, yeah, some other Hollywood himself. A-listers, and right, yes, right. it's about him, and he's apparently just a, a douche to work with. But yeah, like Tom Cruise is the entire cast of all the Mission Impossible movies, all the Jack Reacher movies. He yep. it's the same movie over and over again. It's him yeah. doing explosive things and just sort of carrying the wave it on his back. And you're just like, you know what? If they replaced yeah. him with somebody who was more multi-talented or if they actually had a cast of characters around him or if he let them act, this could be yeah. better. And it's exactly how I feel about Oklahoma City. Dude, I would argue that his two best movies are the ones that he did with like other people. Um, Jerry Maguire. So that was, that was Tom Cruise opposite uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, legendary movie, and then the one with Jamie Fox, the the kind of indie one where yeah, was it the uh, soloist or uh, no? He was a yeah. hitman. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're in the, the car together. One. Right, yeah. right, right. So yeah, but you're right, man. Every other Tom Cruise. I think movie it was called Collateral. Rest- yeah, it was Collateral, which was the name of like every movie for a while. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you're right, man. Every every Tom Cruise movie is a Russell Westbrook experience. Like he's. He's getting his forty points, but like nobody else is doing anything, and it's still it's still a failure. And, like they still lose. Yeah, and and he's giving other people acting jobs, just like Russell Westbrook averages ten assists, but they're like useless ten assists. They're yeah, not. They're exactly. not like in the flow of a game ten assists. They're not making other players better ten assists. I have lots yep. of negative opinions about Russell Westbrook's game, but I also yep. recognize his talent and success, which is kind of how I feel about Tom Cruise as well. Dude, right. He's compelling. Like, you'll watch a, West, a Russell Westbrook game if it's on. You know, if, if Oklahoma City's playing and it's a, you know, Wednesday night or whatever, you'll watch. Um, and in the same way that you'll watch a Tom Cruise movie. You know, you'll you'll see it. You'll be moderately entertained by it. You know? Yes. Um, but it's and, not going to change your life. 
and some something will be disappointing and something will be explosive in both cases all the time. Dude, you're so right, man. You're so right. Tom Cruise is the Russell Westbrook of Hollywood. This is fascinating. Um, this is a really a really interesting way to look at the NBA, Piper. And we are uh, we are over an hour on our uh, on our call, although we did vamp a little bit beforehand. So I want to lay a couple of other sports things on you. Um, important things that happen in the world of sports. I don't know that we'll get to our our deep dive into bad coaches in the NFL on this episode, but they'll, they'll um, be here for a few more weeks. I'm sure we can come th- back around to them. That's right. There's plenty of NFL season left to uh, to delve into the bad the bad coaching that takes place on Sunday afternoons. But uh, I want to talk about a good thing that happened in the NFL, an interesting thing, uh, and that is Drew Brees becoming the NFL's all time leading passer. Uh, I watched it uh, on. Uh, I watched it uh, watched it happen in real time uh, in my living room with the boys. It was a fun moment. Um, two questions for you. One, did this mean anything to you? Like at, watching that sort of thing happen as an adult, like is it is it meaningful? Does it move the needle for you at all? And then number two, like where do you where do you put Breeze in the pantheon of the all time greats in light of uh, this thing happening? I I think it it meant more like when when. Brett Favre broke a touchdown record or set a record or when Peyton Manning did because those felt like very different eras in the NFL. Sure. I feel like this feels like the arena football era in which like a well, passing record is going to fall. It feels a little bit week. like yeah, a little bit or like the home run records in the late 90s and and early 2000s where you're like, "Oh, the the game is just different now." Yeah. You yeah, know, there's exactly. there's something different going on here. This is not to imply that anybody in the in the NFL is cheating, but just the game you know, has it's shifted. Just a, it has. This is the seven-on-seven seven era in right. the NFL. Like, I mean, this is past Skelly every every Sunday. So, and, it, and now yeah. he's been doing it for a long time, and he was putting up video game numbers kind of before that became the norm. Um, yeah. You know, he was the first guy to throw for five thousand yards, or maybe not the first guy, but the first guy to do it in back-to-back seasons to do it consistently. He holds. Thing is, he holds now. Uh, he holds records for yardage i think for completions for completion percentage but he's not like yeah. an alex smith dink and dunk guy so like he's he's legitimately a top tier quarterback but it didn't it just didn't have the same resonance with me as records that happened several years ago or records in other sports um absolutely absolutely and i i think yeah. some of that has to do with the fact that like the I couldn't tell you what his number is, like what number needed to happen. I know it was like 71,000 and change, but like that number doesn't mean anything to me. But whereas like when Barry Bonds was going for the career home run record, like 715 meant something like that's a, that's a hard number or, you know, Cal Ripken's 1,900 and something games. Like there's, there's sort of that, that benchmark. Um, Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, it's, it, it didn't, it was a cool moment. The other thing mm-hmm. that made it less cool is looking at it and going, yeah, but Matthew Stafford is on pace to break this in like six years, you know, or something. <laughs> exactly, you know, there's man. just the, – again, exactly. the game has changed so much that mediocre players are on pace to be better statistically than historically great players. Matthew Stafford, my fantasy quarterback. So I'm, I'm you know, personally pulling for him to break that record. So hopefully we'll see that. Uh, we'll see that soon. But Piper, as a as a Tennessee resident, and maybe we should end with this conversation. Um, there are a lot of Peyton Manning apologists in our state who will like, you know, go to the mattresses over Peyton Manning being the greatest <laughs> NFL yes. quarterback of all time. And uh, I, I, no disrespect to Peyton Manning, the Manning family, uh, their legacy. I do not think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I, and in fact, I think 
I, I don't even know that he's in, you know, a, a top five type discussion for me. And one of the things that Tennesseans like to lean on in that argument is that they like to make this argument that like Peyton Manning really never had anybody around him, which I think is ludicrous. Um, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and, and Edger and James were as good as any skill position triad the league has ever seen. Yeah, uh, I mean, at, his, at their he, he had two Hall of Fame wide receivers at the same time. Yeah, and it's then ridiculous. he went to the Broncos, who had two Pro Bowl level wide receivers and a Pro Bowl level tight end for those few years before he got injured at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to me, the most impressing, the most impressive thing Peyton Manning did was winning a Super Bowl as Peyton Manning's corpse with the Denver Broncos. <laughs> like that, to me, was fascinating. And Wait, that that's proved... more impressive than beating the Rex Grossman-led Bears? I'm I'm stunned. <laughs> you would think that? I don't understand. Dude, yeah, the Rex the Rex Grossman-led Bears in a monsoon. You know, um, I don't know. I I love the Colts, and I, I I did love Peyton Manning's career. He was super fun to watch. But I don't know. You look at the Brady's. Um, you look at Rogers, you look at Breeze, um, you know, what makes you know, me sad. What's that? How, so Drew Breeze, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, all of these guys who, ha- who are peak level quarterbacks of their era have played yeah. in offensive systems or with coaches that put them in a position to be maximally successful. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers plays for a Neanderthal. <laughs> Dude, that's so right, man. And, and, you can make the argument that what he's done is so much more impressive because of what you just said. Every time I watch Pat Mahomes play quarterback for the Chiefs this year, I think that's what Aaron Rodgers should be. Oh, my goodness. He could throw for 10,000 yards yeah, in mean, a season if it, he played for Andy Reid. It'd be insane. If he played for – like. If he played for anybody besides like I mean this is the bad the bad coaching conversation but like yeah there's only like four teams that if he played for he would be worse than he is right now in terms of That's offensive true. system almost anybody else is like oh yeah maybe we should do something mildly creative to get a receiver open for the greatest quarterback talent of our present day <laughs> and I exactly. think I hate the Packers exactly so, so I love the fact that they have a trash coach but yeah. it makes me sad as a NFL fan that that Aaron Rodgers statistically is going to struggle to get to the same place as Brady, Breeze, and Manning because he plays for a garbage offense. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I totally agree. And and it's funny, man, how short people's memories are when they when they talk about the great quarterbacks uh, in the league and of all time. You know, I just think of. The guys who were around when we were kids, you know, the the Montanas, the Elways, the Marinos, you know, how do it's, how do you like how do you position these guys in that conversation? I mean, it's, it's you almost can't you you almost have to take the NFL in eras because it's a little bit like the NBA in that way, like yeah. trying to compare Bill Russell to Michael Jordan to LeBron James is it's impossible because. Yeah. Because of the style of game, you know, trying to compare anybody who was a scorer before the three-point line to shooters after the three-point line, you know, yeah. these I, I I feel a little bit like the Manning, Drew Brees guys. They're kind of like the Steph Curry of the NFL in that the the what they did with offense completely changed the game, and it went yeah. and it went no, from I'm, you know two tight ends, I formations, ground and pound. Ted's favorite version of football to Absolutely. what it is today, which is it's very much seven on seven. But yeah, I yeah. don't, I, I, I mean, like, what would Steve Young or Joe Montana be today? Yeah, ah, goodness, Dude, who knows? 
Steve Young playing for Andy Reid would be bananas. Yeah, I mean that that would that would be ridiculous. Um, I, Joe Montana playing for Andy, you, you know what I mean? I mean these these guys and their skill sets. And I think Joe Montana playing for Bill Walsh when he played for Walsh was, you know, the that era analog to somebody playing for Andy Reid today. I yeah. mean Walsh well, was perfect for Montana in the way that if 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 Montana had been drafted by the Bears and played for Mike Ditka, he would have been a I mean, he he may have been Jim McMahon. You know, yeah. he may have been a guy who went to one Pro Bowl and was hurt a whole bunch and like really never heard from again. When I and I think that's I think the the Bill Walsh Andy Reid comparisons are fitting again, not in terms of overall success. One of them is an all time great coach. The other sure, is sure. an all time great offensive coach. Yeah, and but every quarterback who has played for them has been dramatically better under them than anywhere else they played. Exactly, um, and. You know, and, and the, the Bill Walsh. I mean, I was I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember what it was, and they were talking about Bill Walsh and and how he turned just garbage quarterbacks into successful passers. But that's because he was. I mean, it's almost like he invented the forward pass. Yeah. Or he. Or he. I mean, he's the one who was like, "Oh, a five yard pass is as good as a five yard run, except that you can yeah. you can break that for a long touchdown." Welcome yep. to the league, Jerry Rice. And, exactly. And so he, I mean, he changed the game. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's impossible to rate Joe Montana outside of the context of Bill Walsh, which means it's impossible to rate him at all. So when people say he's the greatest quarterback ever, I'm like, no, he had the greatest circumstance ever. And beyond that, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like Brady yeah. and Belichick. It was yeah. Brady no, it really is. Brady might have been Kirk Cousins if he played for any other team, like a, a decent yeah. NFL quarterback, but yeah, not exactly. not an all timer. Exactly. And uh, Piper, that's a that's a good note to end on. Um, Sorry, I said I Kirk Cousins. Oh, I did it again. My bad. I know it. Triggered I know it. Ted. I can't. I can't help but realize that we made it nearly through an entire hour long plus uh, call without invoking the name. He was. He was uh, just. He was just the most sort of. Decent, Dude, it, yeah. just the most decent quarterback I could think of. Exactly. As long as long as we use him as like the Mendoza line of kind of bland NFL quarterbacking, I'm, okay, I'm I, fine with. I'll that revise thing. this to Dak Prescott. He's there. You he go. could be the Dak Prescott of of the NFL. I love it. Yeah, much better, much better. Piper, this has been uh, this has been a blast, man. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. I probably need to go and make sure there's no like falling down cabinetry in my house, courtesy of my two boys. Yes, but, listeners, uh, listeners, the part of this podcast you won't get to hear because we're going to edit it out is Ted's son sticking his head in and saying, there's a cabinet falling off the wall upstairs. So, Dude, I feel like we've invoked so many names on the podcast today. What's, what's a good name to go with for our sign-off, like, uh, like cadence-wise? Could be a Hollywood name, could be a football name, could be an NBA name. I think in honor of mediocre quarterbacks from different eras, I think you should go with Jim McMahon. Oh, I love Jim McMahon, dude. He was one of my all-time favorites as a kid. So that's a that's a great let's, one. Let's end on Pipe. that note to wash away the name that we mentioned that I that I apologize for. Exactly. Jim McMahon will will squash the the memory of that name that you just mentioned. So uh Piper, we have we have done what we always do on the sports program and that we have wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, Jim McMahon. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. 
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Because right? sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.